This is Eli Bosnick, and you're listening to the All About Nothing Podcast. This episode of the All About Nothing Podcast is brought to you by GOT Sound Studio. GOT Sound Studio offers a variety of experiences. Music, voice, and instrumental recording and production, video, and still photography. GOT Sound Studio has all of your media needs met. Owned and operated by Dominique Stewart, the Neek the Geek, experienced artists as well as up-and-coming will find everything they need to create. Bring your media needs to one of the most talented producers and engineers in the business, Neek the Geek. You can find details by visiting gotsoundstudio.com or calling 803-243-2302. You can also find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. The All About Nothing podcast may have content and language. That isn't appropriate for some. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome Nothingers to the All About Nothing podcast. This is... uh Episode number 189 here with Preach Jacobs. What's up? Thank you, sir, for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you for being here. Do you have a, yeah, no, very cool. Where are we? We are in Soul House. This is uh, an art gallery that me and my partners, um, Eric and Kat, have in the Vista, 1223 Lincoln Street. Um, so, yeah, so we're in here um, right before I, I do my little Sunday DJ thing called Recca Sundays. Yeah to play some vinyl and kind of like have a cool atmosphere for people to check out the art and conversate with some of the artists as well. So, yeah, yeah. You have an artist coming in, in today? Um, there's a few people that said they were going to stop by. There's an artist named Anthony Lewis, who's technically his piece is right there. Um, and a few other people that said they were going to come by. I have um, you know, a couple people coming through, a couple of like guest DJs to play some some records. So just a real chill, cool environment. That'll be exciting. Yeah. I look forward, I, I look forward to that. Yes. I look forward to being able to come and attend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to go home and edit this episode. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, working so hard. Yeah. So uh, I'm Bear Groomer, again, joined by Preach Jacobs. You all, please subscribe to the show. Share, share the show with all your family and friends. That's how we get new listeners. Also, if you can, please consider supporting the show financially by visiting our website and clicking on the support link. Uh, and if you can't, please drop a review. Hit those five stars. Give us a thumbs up or leave us a comment. All of that helps to drive our show higher up in the ratings as a, as a, pat, a podcast, I guess. So Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I do have a couple shout outs and, uh, I wanted Zach to be here for this, but, uh, he's not because he and I were both wrong about something. <laughs> and what we have is we, we essentially have people that will email us to correct us on things. Oh boy. That's fun. So on the episode that Zach and I did before the end of the year, uh, we apparently were talking about Krampus. Okay. And, uh, I, okay. I've, I've heard about yeah. this. Yes. So, uh, so Matt Villardebo candidate for South Carolina house seat 26 called me, uh, just to correct me on Krampus. Uh, whom I apparently mistook for Belschnickel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which uh, so Krampus is actually a horned anthropomorphic uh, character who accompanies Santa Claus before the uh, December twenty sixth uh, feast of Saint Nicholas, uh, punishing badly behaved children. Uh, Belschnickel is another mythical uh, German descent uh, character, I guess. Uh, but he doesn't travel with Santa. Apparently, he just visits alone and replaces or, or represents both the good and the bad. So the giving Santa also versus the horned, crazy Krampus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> That's kind of a funny thing for somebody to correct you on. They'd be like, listen. <laughs> well, when we're wrong, we're wrong. Uh, but, yeah, so that was apparently Belschnickel was made popular uh, during the uh, – the uh, office episode where Dwight dressed up as Belschnickel. And then, and then apparently, like his cousin, I guess, came in as Black Pete. So it's a white guy. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, also, real quick, 2024, of course, is uh, voting. 
the election comes up in November. Uh, if you haven't already, you need to do it. Check your voter registration to make sure everything's set up. You're in the correct address and everything so that uh, when you go to the polls, there won't be any issues. You can actually go to our website, theallaboutnothing.com uh, slash voter, and you can check your voter registration. So, mm-hmm. Preach Jacobs. What's up, man? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, freelance writer for the Free Times, published uh, by the Post and Courier, hip hop artist, entrepreneur, and the guy that you want on your trivia team at the bar. <laughs> yeah, I get you all the uh, the drinking credits. You know, the like forty dollar bar tab credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we're recording from Soul House, uh, mm-hmm. which is an art gallery here, twelve twenty three Lincoln Street, Columbia, right across the street, or right across from uh, Blue Marlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, well. Tell us, tell us what this is. Um, this is an art space that is hyper, hyper local. So I would say that um, 90% of the work in here is from people in Columbia or, you know, in neighboring areas. But the majority of it is people that we know. Right. So so me, Eric and Kat, like we just been appreciators of the arts community and we just wanted to have an opportunity to give them a space to amplify their works because whether you're a visual artist or hip hop artist or, or a singer or a poet, all the artists in Columbia has seemed to always have the same problem is do we have a place to be able to express our talents and a place that understands it, right? Because there's sometimes you can go to a venue and they might just provide you with a stage or something, but does the venue really know or care about what we're doing? And the fact that like we know and love all these artists and, and a lot of these artists in the building are, are basically people we reached out to personally and they say, yo, here's an opportunity and, and they were excited about it. That's pretty much what this is, a very, very hyper-local um, art gallery amplifying you know, the, the voices and visual artists of Columbia. Yeah, and I've said this before, I'm, I'm not a huge art person from the perspective that I, I understand what it is I'm looking at, but I, I, I recognize what I like and what I think is really, really talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pointed out the artist right here, uh, and, and I, I enjoy this, this painting, which is, uh, looks like a, a couple kids playing street ball. Yeah. And uh, to me, it, it kind of just speaks to the, um, I guess, just it, it, the nostalgia mm-hmm. of, of baseball and, and, and how, how kids enjoy it and things like that. But it's, it's, it's a really cool piece of art. And I know that based on the colors that were used and the images that you see and the characters that you see in it, that there is a, a representation there that maybe I don't fully understand, mm-hmm. but I like it. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. It's like all of us, you know, um, me and my partners, we are all different with our art taste. And I think that the cool thing about it is if somebody walks in here, um, I want someone to see themselves. Right. Something is going to resonate with. Yeah. You, you know. Um, and yeah. And, and, and again, it's like I think this is also a great opportunity for artists or fans of art to figure out a way to invest in original artwork. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of like the, the, the national artists or international artists, you can't buy an original from them. And, and we and we are not understanding, or at least me, when I first started collecting kind of in the recent past, the only thing I could afford were like limited edition prints. You know, yeah. like, and I'm a big like pop art person. So I love the Shepard Fairey stuff, which might've been seen as lowbrow or something like that in the past. But, you know, I, I think kind of what you're saying is like, figure out what you like and then reverse engineer it and yeah. figure out why do I like this, you know? So, yeah, so yeah I think this is dope. And, and, and plus, I think the cool thing about this space is 
it's an opportunity to kind of just bring people together. So not just be an art gallery, but be kind of a space, a hub for creative minds and creative people to talk about doing fly shit in the city. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really exceptional. So before we get into some more of the, uh, what, what's, what it is that, that you all are trying to achieve here, mm-hmm. um, next Monday, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King, MLK Jr. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it you've got going on? Um, so I partner up with uh chef Hector, who's, uh, one of my favorite, uh, culinary artists in the community and he's over at the aristocrat and we talked about kind of collaborating and having like a cool idea for something so he's just like i want to do something for mlk day he's like you know i think martin luther king would have liked fish fries so <laughs> so i want to do like a fish fry and do this uh, and have like this whole cool menu yeah um and i'm providing music so uh I, i'm I had this campaign of just wanting to play vinyl at places now. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to have some turntables out there. going to have a couple of DJs with me. Um, Chris Winter and a homeboy of mine out of Charlotte named Flock of Slagles. Um, Very cool. And it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be, and it's, it's gonna be dope. So it's it's free. You get to get really really cool food. Um, they're gonna have like a special menu um, for the aristocrat for that evening. And um, I'm, I think this is happening. I'm gonna have a drink name after me. It's gonna be called the Preach. But the preach for for what I proposed, so it's not too crazy, is it's going to be an old fashioned, but you're going to be using Uncle Nearest rye whiskey for it. So yeah, so Uncle Nearest is the the black owned company um, that Jack under the Jack Daniels umbrella. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you know, it's basically uh, old fashioned with a black bourbon. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's going to be uh, January fifteenth. I'll send you the flyer and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um. But it's going to be dope. Uh, I'm really excited about it. What time again? Seven to ten. Seven to ten. Yeah. And where where is it again? The Aristocrat, which Aristocrat. is literally across the street from us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Around the corner. So yeah. All right. Uh. So um. Tell me about your partners. Um. Eric and Kat are uh, a married couple, and and Eric is known uh, as someone that is um, a restaurateur. So you got bourbon, you have Black Rooster, you have um, Dragon's Room, and and he's I just always love the spots that 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 uh, he's a part of, and I'm kind of like yo, like anything that he sees that is uh, a deficiency in the community, he knows how to kind of fill in some of those gaps. Yeah, and so you know we've been friends like forever, and and I've been talking about you know the idea of a gallery space in Columbia and, and we talked about trying to collaborate and figure it out. And then this opportunity for this space came up. Um, this space used to be if art gallery and Wim uh, used to own this spot and he passed away um, unexpectedly about a year or so ago. And then this space was taken over after that by Michaela Brown from Mike Brown contemporary. And when she moved out next to go next door, um, this became a space that me and my partners, it made sense because we know everybody that was involved with this area. Yeah. We used to be on the board of 701CCA and really, really love us in the arts community. And, you know, we wanted to keep this as an art space. So, so it was pretty much that. It's just, you know, art appreciators figuring out, all right, does this make sense to do? And it does. Let's reach out to a lot of these artists, which a lot of them, of them are our friends or people that I've worked with before. So a lot of people that's on the wall, like I've worked with them for graphic design work or doing original commission stuff, that type of thing. And these are relationships of me being involved in the art community for over 20 something years and Eric and Kat being lovers and purchases of art since I don't know when, you know what I mean? So, um, 
it just all made sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like the fact that it's in the Vista means a lot. The fact that it's uh, in a space from an old friend that passed away that and keeping that legacy of the building, um, I think that was something that was really important to all of us. Yeah. What? Uh, where'd you get the name Soul House? Um, it was really funny because uh, Kat came up with it. Like we were trying to figure out kind of the combination of like our ideas and and our tendencies and our loves or whatever. And so like my moniker for all the stuff I do is called Mo Better Soul. Right. And, 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 and soul is usually kind of just, you know, it's, it, it feels black, even though it's not necessarily a black word, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, when you hear it, you just kind of like, all right, there's a little seasoning on the chicken. Um, but it was just one of those things we were trying to figure out something. That, and, and so Jack came up with the idea. It's like, oh, you know, let's call it Soul House and house spell it as, as the, um, the art movement. I think it's a German. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it kind of just made sense um, when you put those two things together. So I think between our tendencies and our taste, it, it just felt like it made sense. Yeah. You know? How many uh, how many local artists are you all spotlighting right now? I don't know. Estimate? The, I don't know the number. I, I know it's on the website, but I would probably say it's probably a dozen people in here right now um, with multiple works. So so I I could be wrong, could be more, could be less, but... You know, when people come in here and we made it and we wanted it to be like this, like the walls are full. Yeah. So we want it when the door is open to, to it feels fully functional, you know, and you're kind of like it's like a bear hug of art as soon as you walk in the building. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, for you know? sure. So, yeah. So I don't know that number, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> How many of them uh, are first time uh, having their art hung in a gallery? I don't know. I, I, I know there's a couple of people that I know that that. um I don't know if there's their first time in a gallery, but it's probably, I know it's their first time in Columbia. So um, I, I, there's like a, a brother-sister duo, um, Daniel and Lauren and um, I don't know if they've presented anything in Columbia, but this is like, that was kind of a special thing to have us in here. So I think Lauren's piece is here and the brothers is that Ali and that Kobe oh, yeah. Bryant over there. Those you are know? good. So they, they, they do murals around the country and, and I don't think they've oh, had man. stuff in Columbia. Um, um, those two pieces there is an artist named Chris Charles, who's out of Durham, North Carolina, but he's someone that, that I've worked closely with, and I know he hasn't had anything in Columbia. He's like an amazing photographer and videographer that I just want to have his stuff in here. Tara Singh, who's out of Asheville. Um, so, like, it's you know, there's a regional aspect to it as well, but then it's also people that I've known and loved for years. It's Dre, Sammy and Dre Lopez um, that have amazing artwork in here, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it just feels like it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, now I noticed the Firefly uh, uh, painting downstairs is, mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah, I assume that went to a good home. I hope so. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't handle the sales. I'm it just was. Saying. It was. It was a beautiful. It was a beautiful painting, and 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 uh, and being you know here in Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. where. Uh, you got the Columbia Fireflies, and of course the the uh, the National Park down there with yes. uh, Congaree, which apparently you have to get uh, you have to get lottery tickets in order to to get a spot to be able to watch the Fireflies. Really, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, look at that. It's uh, it's, a, it's it's a little disappointing because I I don't ever I don't ever do it. Um, so the mission of Soul House is uh, to to really intensify uh, the availability of people to recognize. Uh, hyper local mm-hmm. art uh, as well as regional mm-hmm. um what is i guess some of the 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 background in uh, as far as your background when it comes to artwork like this to local art 
Uh, I know we talked before that, you mm. know, you're only, the only availability you ever had was like prints yeah. of things, but yeah. like what, what is it about, uh, the, 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 the work of, of art or, or, or what is it about the artwork that really drives you to, to want to push that so other people experience that? Well, I, about 10, 12 years ago, I did an event called Colacon okay. and, and it was a hip hop comic book convention. And, and it was trying to show the two worlds of hip-hop and comics. And at the time, it seemed to be like this really crazy idea. But kind of like over the years, you started to see these combinations of hip-hop and comics coming together. You know, Marvel Comics has done something called a variant cover where you would get a lot of these famous Marvel uh, comic book covers. And then they would do, they would get illustrators to draw like hip hop album covers to kind of tie in with them, right? So, and then you have stuff like the Spider-Man movies that came out with Miles Morales is right. totally, you know, embedded with hip hop culture. Um, I say that to say that 10 or 12 years ago, that wasn't something that was heavily seen as bringing those two things together. And I thought it always made sense because I always felt like Wu-Tang Clan feels like comic book characters. Like everybody has like these different nicknames and these like code names and it's very colorful and vibrant and hip hop, just like the comic book world is very, very, very competitive, you yeah. know? And you know, graffiti culture comes out of hip hop. But one of the things that was important to me was when I did these events and I did these shows, I did them a couple of years at the Museum of Art. I did one at the Convention Center. I did one at 701 CCA and I brought people like, Ghostface Killer the Town, uh, a fight from a tribe called Quest here, Dead Prez, Pete Rock. Um, the idea was to have a space for black and brown creatives in the comic book industry to kind of have a space to showcase their work. I would do these panel discussions um, from everything from black and brown creatives in the, in the industry to women in the industry to, to very neighboring things. So maybe not just comic books, but people that um, are working on television shows and talking about some of the history of those, that type of thing. But one of the things that I noticed was the amount of artists that have so much great work that didn't have the, the recognition I thought they deserved. I started Colacon because of my friend Sanford Green. And, and Sanford Green, you know, um, is one of the top comic book illustrators in the world. He worked on that Spider-Man movie. He has a, a graphic novel called Bitter Root that's won two Eisner Awards and it's being made into a movie right now and it's like a $100 million budget produced by Ryan Coogler from Black Panther, directed by Regina King. And I say all this to say, I looked up to this guy and nobody knew who he was yeah. in my town. Like we could be in Target, <laughs> you know, buying milk and no one would know him. But when you go to Comic-Con with this dude, he's a superstar, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I just wanted to have something that was like, you know, if there's amazing talent like this here, let's have something here that, that can like showcase the work and showcase the art. And, and it was also a time where I loved a lot of that work and it was probably seen as very lowbrow, like I said before. So, so a Sanford Green illustration that's hip hop inspired, I would love to put that on my wall where if someone who was like, you know, a high society art collector, they might've thought it was beneath them, you yeah. know? And, and I had to understand that everybody had a right to invest in art, you know what I mean? And, and just because I like something that's not overly expensive or something that's like, you know, not considered as a traditional, beautiful piece of work, I fuck with it. Um, and I think that's important is to be able to say that there's different creatives that deserve to have a platform for that stuff and it's just as important. So um, that was kind of my journey, kind of diving into 
that world of, of visual artists and kind of non-conventional. So same thing where I'm talking about pop art, I'll put that in the same thing with comic book art, pop art, something that people in my age group and age range and people that love hip hop stuff, we thought that was really dope, but you're not gonna see at the time a shepherd fairy in, a, in an art gallery. But then all of a sudden, you know, it's considered fine art now. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so I think that we were kind of ahead of the curve when we were doing like this, this Colacon stuff, but it taught me like this really, really great lesson of, you know, I've always said this about Columbia artists. I would put the artists of my city and our state against anybody in the Southeast. You know, our community is just as dope, just as, just as talented as anybody in these neighboring cities. They just probably didn't have the opportunities or, you know, a place like a soul house to put this shit up. You know what I mean? And so that became kind of like a, a, a personal thing for me to want to do. But I've been doing um, art related shows and, and curating events since I can remember. Right. I've been doing events in Columbia since I was 14, 15 and I'm 40 now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So, yeah. So I've always had this relationship with the arts community, whether it's whether it's visual, whether it's musical. There's a way that I always felt like it, it should all be married together. So if there's somebody out there listening who is a local artist, mm -hmm. how would they potentially uh, come about uh, potentially having their art displayed here? Um, I would say a few things. I, I think one of the things with the Record Sundays thing that I think is important is engagement, right? Yeah. Um, because a lot of times you get stuff in an art gallery. You know, my theory is if we have a $3,000 piece in, on the wall, it's nice for somebody to buy it. I'd love for you, for you to buy it. But I also understand that um, I don't know people that can come in and see something for three grand and buy it immediately. Yeah. Right? Um, so what ends up happening when people are investing in the artwork, they got to see it a few times. They got to they got to come around it. They got to be around it. They have to visualize it. And if you're not doing engaging things to bring them back into the gallery, they'll be like, oh, I've been here one time. I don't need to come back because stuff kind of might stay on the wall for a while. We might, you know, have to wait till we sell something or, or wait until we do like an exhibit or something like that. So I would say the engagement to come in when we're doing like record Sundays, when we're doing outreach stuff and, and, and being involved in the community, interact with not just us, but interact with other people in the arts community because that's where you can kind of say, hey, maybe we can put together a show where we can collaborate with like-minded artists. Um, I would also say go to our website, soulhouse.art, or, or follow us on on Instagram and just reach out to us. And, and you know, Kat's our curator. All of us, you know, have input on what gets up and what comes in here. And we want to make sure that, that we give um, – artists that we really think are really dope a, a, an opportunity a chance you know what i mean so so to me first things first if y'all see something that we're doing pull up and and that's why this sunday thing was really kind of cool because it's like i have to understand people's motivations right it's football season so like right. it's 12 to 3 so it's it's enough time that you can go to church and come afterwards and not too long that you're not missing yeah. one of the big games Football right yeah. yeah 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 granted yeah <laughs> i have my phone on <laughs> right I have, my, I have my phone on when i'm doing it i got the nfl ticket on youtube but um but you know sunday is kind of like a cool day for that because it's like one of the things that one of the names of the gallery we was flipping around with we wanted was thinking like would sanctuary be a good name? And we like the concept of the idea of like a sanctuary for artists or whatever. Sure. But but also it kind of feels like a little too much at times where it's just like, oh, the fuck, we're not a church. But <laughs> but under those under that same thought, 
we kind of wanted to feel that way. We kind of want artists to come in and feel that type of energy. There's right? a safe zone. Yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah. You're one of us. You know what I mean? Like X-Men is all about mutants saying to other mutants, yo, man, there's regular people and there's us. Right. And everybody's looking at us like we're fucking crazy, right? And 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 you will watch these X-Men movies and it's like you will look at regular people as the bad guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they're the evil ones. Like, And so I think creative people are mutants in, in, a, in, a, in a way. It's like, it's non-conventional. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense to spend hours upon hours painting something and then try to go to a regular nine to five and balance that stuff out. You see some of this stuff on the wall, none of that shit looks normal, but it's can be, it can be fascinating when you look at it. So like, I think that this is like a place for mutants, whatever uh, Xavier School was called. What was it called? Like Xavier School for uh, gifted youngsters. Gifted, gifted, yeah, the gifted. Yeah. So like that's like, uh, that's what we should have called this place. No, but like, but I, I feel like that. And in, in the cheesy terms, I, I I want it to feel like that for artists, and 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 I wanted to be inviting for people that don't collect art. Yeah. Or wanting to start collecting art. I don't want it. I don't want it to be a situation where you walk in and be like, oh shit, you know. Art is this thing, this 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 grandiose concept that I don't, I could never own something. Like, nah, bring sure. your ass in here, and, and and that's where the engagement that I'm really interested in um, is having the engagement to bring people in here on a regular basis. So, you mentioned Rekka Sundays. Mm -hmm. uh, is this the permanent home for Rekka Sundays? Um, as of now, yes. Yeah. Um, um, you know, that was kind of the plan in the first place, right? That was, that was uh, you know, shout out to Drip Coffee when, when we originally uh, did this concept. And the concept was just really, 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 really simple. Like, I'm a DJ in town, and, and one of the things that's not really fulfilling as a DJ is playing top 40 shit. Agreed. Right? So you get called to these clubs, and the money might be cool. You know, you might see some holes every once in a while. But when you're playing top 40 stuff, or, or, or shows where you have to appease people that are 20 years younger than you to play songs that I would never listen to on a regular basis or at all. Uh, it, it kills your soul just a little bit. Yeah. And so to me, you know, I, I played at this place a few times. My homeboy, uh, DJ Smitty, uh, DJs at this place called Vinyl. And he'll bring me as a guest DJ once in a blue moon. And it's a place in Charlotte. And it's a vinyl bar, really, really dope. And they got two rules. DJs have to play all vinyl sets and no request. And I just love that idea. And 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 vinyl is kind of a way, it's very, it's a little more curated. Yeah. Where if I'm DJing with the controller digitally, if there's a song I don't have, I can download it. You know, if you bring in vinyl, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Right. You know what I mean? And and there's something about that where you're it, it, you're more intentional, more deliberate. Um so yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted an opportunity just to play some records because I never have an opportunity to play records in Colombia, um, and so it made sense to do it at a coffee shop. You know, um, Sean, who who owned Drip at the time, was a huge you know vinyl fan and all that good stuff. So it just made sense. We were talking about doing something for a while. Then it got to the point where I was just like, we need to do it here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, my place. So so yeah yeah. So this is theoretically this is the this is going to be the home of of, of Rucker Sundays. How do how do the acoustics sound in here? It sounds great in here. Um, before we opened. Uh, we had a a show with the South Carolina Philharmonic, and it was a um, classical guitar show. And we had like 35 seats in here, and you know, this woman just playing the guitar, and it was it sounded amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So I think the space. I think that's the other thing too. I think that that we'll get to that point of 
You know, I want this to kind of be a community space as well, right? Where, hey, poetry reading, book signings, intimate shows, whatever. Like, I think that's something that we probably want to get into as well. That it's not just the art on the wall. Yeah, it's it's a it's a community center type of thing. You know, there's a there's the opportunity for a venue space. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and, and then you know the side product of that is is that the, that people get to see the artwork and potentially mm-hmm. you know inquire and make purchases and things like that. Please buy some shit. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, I, I ultimately I think I think this is great, and I was I was extremely excited for you and for your partners well, thank you. on opening it because uh, I've this is this is. Actually, this is the third time I've been here. You weren't here uh, one time when I came by. Mm-hmm. I assume you were working. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, you know, even even walking in here, I think Kat was the one that was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I didn't get an opportunity to introduce myself because she was talking to somebody about artwork that was downstairs. And uh, But there were still 20 people in here on like a, it was like a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to me, that's impressive, uh, for, you know, one, it was, it was around Christmas time and the fact that it, it, there were still enough people in here that Mm -hmm. it, it felt full Yeah, and, and it seemed as though people were generally interested in what it is they were looking at. And some of them were waiting on cat. They were waiting on time to talk to her. I love it. So, you know, it's. This is this is honestly this is my first experience with this sort of sort of idea and venue. Um, Me too. Because <laughs> you know we I've been to restaurants around town where they'll have local artists on the wall, mm-hmm. and and you know you can you can see who those people are and you could potentially purchase their artwork while you're sitting there eating a meal. Yeah. But it feels weird at D's Wings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you know because Columbia has a thing where they'll have like spaces for artists or creatives. But it never feels fully invested, yeah. right? It's it's like, you know, you can have one of these places that would hire a pay a band decent money to play in there, but it's like, hey, play three hours worth of cover music, um, so you know people can kind of ignore it when they're eating the dinner, or or kind of like you said, like I think um, you got to train the city on how to treat artists because a lot of times they be like, oh, you know, do a live painting while we have this event going on, and be like, you know. Are you going to pay us for it? No, exposure. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's stuff like that where, and sometimes if you have, like, people doing, like, we had a gentleman that did live artwork, but he chose to do it on our opening night, and we also have his work on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, to me, that would make sense because there's connective tissue there, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, he's not just painting for free or whatever. He's, he's choosing to do it, but you can also buy his shit, yeah. right? And, and have someone like Kat that can talk to you about it yeah. and, and really tell you why it's important. And I think that's a that's the part that you don't get. Like you go to a restaurant, something's on a wall, you're gonna just talk to you know a waitress about the art on the wall, has no idea what it is, no yeah. idea what the story is. So so to me, I, I think um, it's not just putting something on a wall, it's not just putting somebody on a stage, it's having a space that are really, really campaigning and rocking for you, yeah. you know what I mean? So. Yeah, there's always that weird, awkward. Can I get a refill on my Coke Zero? Yeah. Also, tell me about this. <laughs> yeah, because right. she black. Yeah, yeah. I I just started yesterday. Yeah, right. So but the, the my, Instagram page is right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you know. <laughs> I like I like how your dialect went to a Southern white lady. <laughs> I mean, uh, for some reason, in my mind, we had Liz's ticket. I don't know why. <laughs> That's, <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that meeting three. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Black Rooster. Did, mm-hmm. did I recently hear that they're going to be switching menus? Um, no, they're not switching venues. They're switching um, 
not menus, but menus. Yeah, now it's Italian. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know when that change is going to be done or not. I don't know why it's happening. Well, because um, uh, Al's, Al's upstairs. upstairs. I was going to say that's my theory. Al's upstairs closed. That's my uh, theory. And and shout out to shout out to their, that Yo, entire organization. Rest in peace, to Al's upstairs. Like that was that was the place. Like fellas, huh? if you wanted to take your girl out, that was the spot. Like if it was like an anniversary or a birthday or something like that, you take them to Al's upstairs. You got a reservation. Uh so much better than taking her to damn Longhorn. <laughs> like, like, Baby, you want a steak? I like steak. You know. Which shout out to Longhorn too. Y'all got yeah. good steaks. But no, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, but but it's... but Al's upstairs was that that date place. You take a girl to Al's upstairs, you felt special. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sad about I'm sad about them leaving though. You want to talk about some uh, current political stuff with me? Lord shit. How much time we got? Uh, we got about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 see where my brain goes with this. Tell so, uh, Supreme Court uh, to hear Trump's Colorado primary mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Supreme Court agreed to consider whether Colorado can bar Donald Trump from the presidential ballot, taking up a landmark constitutional and political clash uh, stemming from his attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, what because a lot of people that listen to this show are probably more liberal than Republican or mm-hmm. conservative. Um, I. I have I have sort of a, a love hate relationship with this Supreme Court mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because I think in some cases they have rendered decisions in a way that that I would potentially have rendered them, mm-hmm. but in other ways I see the potential of it falling completely apart under a six three majority yeah. of conservative judges. But that that's kind of you kind of answering your own question. Yeah, I, I think um, and you know. The Roe v. Wade situation was kind of a big, a big ass kicker, and I feel like if it goes anything goes to the Supreme Court, Trump could be like, "Hey, I put y'all in here," yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, so so that part about it. Um, well, in all honesty, he can't. I, so, if I was a Supreme Court judge, which I'm not, uh, but if I were, I I would have to have, I guess, some sort of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but I, I would have some sort of like um, pride in the fact that I'm now a Supreme Court judge over mm-hmm. the land. And anyone, regardless of the fact that Donald Trump was the one that got uh, the, the three in there, Barrett and, and, and yeah. the other two. But I guess if, if I would, I would, you can't really blackmail me into, well, into that sort of situation. Well, I, I think you're missing the glaring thing that's really, really funny about this is that the reason why this is so fucking weird is that no president that appoints someone to the Supreme Court should ever be in a situation where they've done something so horrendous Agreed. that you have to go to the Supreme Court to make a decision about yeah. it. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so this is, honest to God, if we look back at this, and it's so casual to us now, the amount of precedence that's been set, the amount of like shit that we never thought would happen, I think, I think this is where history is made because yeah. we've never seen this. Yeah. Right? Like, 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 there's a conversation about Colorado's like, yo, we're taking you off the ballots because, <laughs> because you basically formed an insurrection, fucking treason. Yeah. You, you know? And the fact that he has what, 90 something counts? You 91. Know, 91 counts. Like none of this makes any sense at all, yeah. right? So, so quite honestly, 
I think you're right. Under regular circumstances, you can say, hey, man, Kavanaugh could be, hey, I used to be a beer bro back in the day. I used to do this. But, hey, I need to take this seriously. You know, it's like becoming a parent, I would assume. Right. right? You know, I ain't got no kids, ladies. Please give me a call. <laughs> but, like, but I would imagine, like, you could, you could be a fuck up. And as soon as you like, oh, shit, I'm about to be a dad, that should kind of kick in, right? Well, okay, so but then in that situation, then you look at somebody like Clarence Thomas, <laughs> yes. who has basically taken full advantage of his role, mm-hmm. has rendered decisions on companies and, 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 and lawsuits and things like that that have gener- genuinely uh, benefited him mm-hmm. and his wife mm-hmm. and the foundation that she is attached to. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, I, I, he had a, it was a, it was a, it was an RV that was worth three of my houses <laughs> that, that it, it was, you know, there's still an investigation into it, but like it, he has used that almost from day one to benefit himself and render these decisions to benefit those people that have been, Providing well, him with vacations and things like that. Here's my question. Did Bush appoint him? The first Bush? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, who appointed Thurgood Marshall? When, th- when was Thurgood Marshall? Oh, gosh. That was, that was back in the 60s. Okay. Uh, so, you, uh, you, so if it's 60s, you're probably looking at Eisenhower or okay. Kennedy. Well, I, I, I say that to say it's like. It's, and I could be wrong. It could be it could 70s. Be, I could be wrong, too. But, but I say this to say. This is the way my brain works with this, and it might be totally wrong, but catch what I'm following. If if Clarence was the second black Supreme Court justice, and he's like probably at the time the only black one that was on there, you get a little frivolous because you're like, y'all ain't gonna do shit to me because I'm the I'm the only one of us in here, right? You know, like like. <laughs> I have the most job security than anybody in here, right? And so I think a lot of it's times, weird he'd vote against affirmative action <laughs> because because there's nothing, there's nothing, and, and and I would say it's not just a black Republican thing. Like I, I feel like a black Republican thing also falls under the category with me, where you would have um, someone, a successful white person that grew up extremely poor. Sure. Right. They have kind of the same ideal where they basically like, yo, I ain't have no motherfucking help. I did this myself. The whole bootstraps theory. Right. right. Um, and, and I think that you can acknowledge that you had a lot of pitfalls to do certain things, but to acknowledge to not acknowledge that there are certain privileges that people have and certain opportunities that people need. Um, I I don't think that that's I don't think that's wrong, right? And so somebody like a Clarence Thomas, someone that can probably because I would say Clarence Thomas and, and Ben Carson are the same the same sure. minds, right? Yeah, they would oppose something like affirmative action because they're like, oh, I was a black man that even though despite all these odds, or even Tim Scott saying there's no racism in this country, and it's like you're in a state where Dylan Roof happened, right. and Dylan Roof literally said, hey, <laughs> this is a motivation for race, right? And so I think the problem that ends up happening is. Back in the day, politically, you would have people look at a problem and say, hey, here's a problem, but I disagree with how you think of solving it. Sure. Right? Now, what happens politically is we say, hey, here's a problem, and someone's saying, oh, I don't think that problem exists at right. all. Right? And I think like, you can have a conversation about an affirmative action. You can have a conversation about um, you know, privilege, whether it's white or black or whether it's you – know, um, 
male or female, right? Like there's there's certain male privileges that I have that I had to be checked on, right? Like I never forget, very random. I'm in Japan years ago, and I'm walking around, and it's like four o'clock in the morning, and it's like these young Japanese girls are walking around at four in the morning, and I'm terrified for them. I'm like, why the fuck are y'all walking out so late? Yeah, right? that's crazy. Right, and it becomes this idea where I'm kind of like. Should I, like, ask them, are they okay, or whatever? Then I, then I say to myself, oh, shit, I'm an American. Not only am I American, I'm a black American with dreads in my hair. So even me trying to, like, be helpful, I could be the danger to them that I'm yeah. trying to warn them against, yeah. right? And so I thought of my male privilege of, damn, I could be out 4 o'clock in the morning. I can be afraid that I'm going to get shot, stabbed, robbed. But I never have a, a, a fear that I'm going to be raped yeah right that's a privilege right and and so when when i look at certain things and i look at certain conversations where if if women say glaring comments like oh you know men ain't shit or men blah 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 blah, and you get the one guy that says well you should have said some men ain't shit you know what i mean like like one like, guy yeah right yeah right <laughs> but i said that to say like people people are so concerned about something hurting their feelings or being directed towards them that they're not hearing what someone is saying, right? right? And so someone like Clarence Thomas in, in, in Affirmative Action, he could say that he built himself on the bootstraps and he wants to prove to, to, to white America, like I'm not like those other black folks. Um, and then at some point in time, he kind of proves that given an opportunity to abuse power, he's just gonna do it. Right. Um, and again, um, I think that looking at the Supreme Court and and that idea of this is supposed to be a position that we should respect and revere, um, I hope that happens because I think what happened with Donald Trump was the same thing, is that Trump, when he was campaigning the first time, it was all over the place. And the country was saying, at what point does the position take over you and you become presidential and it just never happened. Right. You know? So, so at this point, like I, I'm, I just can't wait for Ken Burns to do the documentary about this shit. No kidding. <laughs> I, I, I seriously hope Ken Burns sticks around long enough yeah. to be able to do Ken Burns <laughs> presents Donald Trump. Man, look, I mean, I, I imagine that Ken Burns should do like a, a, a pandemic documentary or something. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, so. The, the, the production value of, of what they do for those specials is. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely, man. Well, I guess uh, the, uh, one of the other things I was going to bring up was yesterday, of course, was the, uh, the third anniversary of January 6th. And I <laughs> yes. know we talked about it a little bit, but January 6th. So to date, I think we've seen uh, something like 1,700 charges. Mm. Uh, there were there were roughly about three thousand people that entered the Capitol. There were ten thousand that actually went down to the Capitol from the president, mm -hmm. uh, former president's speech rally, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even just as of Friday, there were four more convictions yeah. in in this. And based on court decisions and things like that, I don't think you can you can recognize what happened on January sixth and not recognize it as an insurrection, as an attempted civil coup yeah. of our federal government because one individual convinced other individuals uh, that became a mob mm -hmm. into believing that that their rights and their their that have been stolen from them. Well, I can't, you know, this is so crazy to me because you can't go into a, 
a building. I can't run into Target, yell fire. Right. And people run out. And if they're running out in a rush, somebody gets trampled and dies, I can be charged. Yeah. Right? So I don't understand how that doesn't apply politically to this. Right. So politically, mm-hmm. I think I think that's that is one of the, the biggest issues with the whole thing is because people that are on, say, the side of uh, they were just tourists. They were just in there to visit on a day that it was closed. <laughs> Uh, they were just there to uh, tour the the house, just to tour the the, the United States, the the building that is owned and run by taxpayers, mm-hmm. not. Uh, but on that side of the argument, they don't look at it as they look at it as a political situation. Mm-hmm. They look at it as this is this is the evidence that the liberals are trying to use to undermine that guy, President Trump, mm-hmm. former President Trump, uh, undermine his ability to run for re-election. Mm-hmm. And I don't really consider Colorado to be a liberal state. I know that they legalized marijuana yeah, yeah. first. I know that they've, they, they have a, they've had, you know, Democratic governors. But there's a lot of people in Colorado that don't live in Aspen and don't live in yeah. Denver. Well, the thing about... And Maine... Maine's yeah. a Republican yeah, state. Yeah, and and I think that what's going to happen is, and we'll, it's interesting to see what the Supreme Court would do because they're meeting about it, what, Tuesday? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm interested in seeing, because it, it takes just one state to kind of yep. kind of put it out there and kind of figure it out. I know one state that won't be doing that, South Carolina. Sure as hell ain't doing that. But, but I think when it comes, when we was having a conversation when you were saying about, you know, liberals versus republicans i think i think the issue is i don't think donald trump is a republican no you know i i i i think that as soon as we realize that you know that conversation is totally different than someone that's just on a different side of a political party what he's doing it has what he doing insults republicans right (laughs) and 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 you know but how do they how do they ignore how is it and and you you can't answer that question i'm sure but from so uh somebody asked somebody asked me one time they said well did you support president clinton and i said i said i i if i wasn't able to vote for president clinton then mm-hmm. but if i uh but if there was the potential that he was running uh, or that i could have if i had been of age mm-hmm. then yeah i probably would have voted for clinton in 96 yeah uh, all right, so <laughs> abrupt right. cuts. What so are you going to do? It's record Sundays, and um, I have Jay Live, who's a, a, an MC and DJ that came into town. And, yeah. And he's a professional, so he shows up earlier than expected. You nah. know what I mean? So he popped up. We got we had to set the equipment up, and now he's getting something to eat. He seem, seems like a good guy. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Rekka Sundays today, so this yeah, will yeah. drop tomorrow. But make sure to check out Rekka Sundays uh, here. Here. Follow your Instagram and Soul House. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have links in all the show notes. You'll see it everything. on the screen popping up right here. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, as, as well, just uh, basically what I was saying before was, you know, people would ask me as mm-hmm. far as like, you support Bill Clinton, even though he was impeached, you mm-hmm. support Bill Clinton, even though he did these terrible things and uh, to which some of them, you know, there's no, there's no convictions and things like that. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, but he was a good president and you can look back at history mm-hmm. and find where it was. When you look back at Donald Trump's record or what happened in the United States during Trump's presidency, I have a really hard time looking back at that stuff and going, he was a good president and he, uh. he did a lot of 
things that benefit the country. I, I don't see it, but yeah. but I have blinders on because of my perspective, I guess. Yeah. Well, other thing too is that I think it's really interesting with with Trump specifically. It's like as a black person in America, we always assume it's just kind of a part of our DNA to be like anti-establishment, anti-government, anti-president. Sure. So it's always this vibe of like we never even if we don't agree with the president's politics, I at least felt like the president was at least sane yeah. to a certain extent. You There's know a amount I mean? of respect that you give to the yeah. office. I, I mean, I, I watched this documentary. If, you, if you've never watched it, it's really, really cool. It's about the housing crisis collapse. Vice did it. And, and they basically was interviewing everybody from like the, 2000, um, the 2008 housing collapse. Or whatever. Sure. And so, you know, they're talking to Obama. They're talking to uh, uh, all the people that were involved financially. They were talking to the treasurer, and they were talking to, like, George W. And it was the most respect I ever had for George W. Because maybe he's been removed from the office so long, he's like, man, I can just chill out and have a hot dog. But he was explaining how he um, came to certain decisions as far as the housing crisis and how that stuff was going to collapse and all this type of stuff. And I was like, damn. As much as I didn't like George W., because I'm supposed to not like him, you know, I didn't like what happened with Katrina and all these other things. But I was like, he at least sounds competent enough yeah. that that even if I don't agree with him and don't agree with his politics, I don't have to worry about him, I don't know, talking shit to Kim Jong-un and there's like a nuclear war going yeah, on yeah. because somebody is saying some shit, you know. That's the other thing, too, about, about um, <laughs> the Republicans. You got, like, Trump said crazy stuff about Ted Cruz's wife. And oh, yeah. Then, and then they just come and turn around like, yeah, I support him. He claimed that Ted Cruz's father was responsible for Kennedy's death. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, and I think same thing about the George W. thing. I saw Ted Cruz on an episode of, like, you know, um, <laughs> the door's open. <laughs> yeah. I saw Ted Cruz on an episode of um, the Bill Maher show. Yeah. And I was just like, he sounds pretty sound. He sounds, I might not agree with everything, but like all the performative shit that he usually do, do where he's like fussing at the liberals and all that type of stuff. I was like, if you acted like this the majority of the time without all of the theatrics, you would make it more of an opportunity for somebody that doesn't necessarily agree with you to listen to you. But yeah. as soon as you go in here and you say all this outlandish um I, I would say incendiary stuff. Like I, it's automatically it's us against them. Right? It's it's I what he does in front of what he does in front of a couple reporters mm -hmm. is the intent is is to trigger his supporters to become more rabid mm -hmm. and to trigger his antagonists mm -hmm. to also become more rabid yeah. because ultimately as long as there is as long as there is disagreements between the two groups then he benefits from yeah. them. And the reality is the Republicans and the Democrats after everything's over they, they have drinks at the same places Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> they're all getting they're all getting their pockets lined by the same lobbyists. It doesn't any any, any of these any of these individuals that are in office right now that that claim that they 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 because yeah, uh, some I think it was uh, one of the senators said that Ted Cruz was literally the most hated senator or the most hated representative in all of Congress. Like nobody likes him, nobody whatever. Wow. But then you see him; they, they show footage of him walking down the halls. There's people around him. And I assume. Well, I mean, maybe it's a staff, but I don't know. It's not That's a, crazy, man. Well, Wrecka uh, Sundays here mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. Soul House. Uh, Soul House is open, what, it's Wednesday? Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 5, and then um, Sundays for record Sundays, 12 to 3. All right. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to wrap it up with our new segment, yes. which is called Seven Questions. Oh, boy. And these are, these are questions that I ask that I, throughout the course of this year, we will ask every single one of our, our guests. So uh, the first one is, uh, what was the last thing you Googled? Um, I was watching, what was I watching? Usually, all right, I, I, I know what I was Googling. Hold on, I'll find it. Because <laughs> the truth is in, what is it, the truth is in the pudding? No, is that, that's, yeah, not, yeah, a, the, the truth that's is not a cliche. Your, uh, your feed. <laughs> that's right. If the internet doesn't move so slow. Um, where is this? Oh, okay. So I visited my parents yesterday. Okay. And they watched the INSP channel, Inspiration Channel, which is nothing but Westerns. Okay. Um, and I think the last thing I Googled was uh, uh, Robert Duvall's age because, like, my, my, my mom and my dad and, and I were watching Open Range with Kevin Costner. Robert Fantastic Duvall. movie. I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. That's why I didn't leave. Like, I was visiting One of my, my favorites. We just sat down, and I was like, Duvall has to be at least 90. He's 93 right now. Yeah. So he, him and, and – um, and Clint are up there. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the last thing we Googled. Was, That's cool. Uh, yeah. That's cool. And, and and the fact that it easily, it's one of my favorite Western I movies. I love it. It's yes. like Open Range and Tombstone. Those, Absolutely. Those man, are, okay. Same page, man. All right. If you could have uh, one superpower, what would it be? Oh. Um, I think I don't want an outlandish one. Like, I don't want to have to fly through the sky or anything like that. I, I think of, like, an expense that drives me crazy, right? I wish I had a superpower where um, I never had to get a haircut again. <laughs> okay. Right? Like, it's, 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 it's nothing big where I'm not going to use my powers for bad. I'm not going to, like, be invisible and walk through a bank or whatever. But, yeah. like, if I can always have a fresh haircut. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a, a really small, simple, but not outlandish superpower. So Okay. So, follow-up question to that. Is it, is it because you like the way it feels, a haircut, or what you want people to see? Um, both. I, I, but, okay. I also, but I also know... You know, I wrote a column about this in the Free Times about my first haircut after the pandemic. Okay. Right? And and you don't realize, I don't think I'm a vain person, but you don't realize how vain you are until you can't get a haircut for a year and a half. Right? And you're just wolf man jacking it and just looking awful. And, and, you, and you feel like, well, damn, it, you know, a haircut is self-care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as, as soon as you get a fresh haircut, you're like, oh, man, you know what? I can take over the world. But, like... <laughs> So I, I think that does something to you emotionally. We're going to know? different. We're going to different stylists. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can be like, what happened? I I literally last time I got a haircut is almost is almost gotten me to the point where I don't want to go get haircuts anymore. <laughs> and, and not that the guy wasn't pleasant. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation we had and everything. But like, it, it it's one of those things. I just go in there for a trim, just mm. just a little bit, mm. just a little bit, get it off my ears, get it off my neck, that mm. sort of thing. And and I and and then he starts putting like product in my hair. And I, he goes, "Do you ever, you put uh, you put stuff in here?" I go, uh, "No, not normally." He goes, uh, "I'm gonna set you up. Well, you'll see how you like that, it." And that's usually how it works. Yeah, and uh, and and of course I get home and my hair's frayed down and whatnot. And I, anyway, uh, but yeah, I will go get another haircut at some point. I just have to get over the trauma of the last time. All right. What is uh, what is your most embarrassing favorite song? Um, the door is open. Um, <laughs> all right. I don't know the name of the song, but I'll tell you a funny quick story. So New Brooklyn Tavern, shout out to them relocating to Five Points when they were still in their old location. Carlin hits me up and he says, hey, preach. I got something for you. I can understand if you don't want to do it because it might be crazy, but I know that you I can trust you to rock a party or whatever. I was like, what do you need? He was like, I need you to DJ a Taylor Swift party. All right. right. 
And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I, it's a payday for me, but I won't promote it. Like, I won't put it on my Instagram or nothing like that or whatever. Okay. I shit you not, the most money I ever made at a show. Dang. And the most money I ever made with tips. I made, like, almost 200-something dollars with tips. Like, these Swifties, anytime they wanted a song, they would cash at me for the songs or whatever. Anyways, I don't know the name <laughs> of these songs, but it got to the point where, you know, I DJed one of those. The party went exceptional. So then they brought me back to do, like, a Miley Cyrus one, and then we did another Taylor Swift one. All of a sudden... You know, when I'm out and about and watching commercials and stuff like that, I'm actually singing fucking Taylor Swift songs. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't know the names of them. So it was just like, so, and, and, and me as a DJ, I didn't have to blend anything. I just basically like Apple Music download all her shit. So even if you look at my laptop and look at my iTunes history or, or whatever, you see hip hop song, hip hop, hip hop album. And then it's yeah, like yeah. Taylor Swift's entire catalog. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so. That's great though. All right. So same thing, uh, embarrassing. What was, uh, what was one of those things that your parents did that embarrassed you the most? <sighs> um, and I'll I, just say this. I'll preface it. I am thankful nobody asks me these questions. Well, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I'm trying to think, man. I think um, out of context shit, right? So, so like, I, I know if it's such a – I know, like, give me an example. This is probably like a, a – not a specific one, but it puts it in perspective. Like if I did something creatively, um, like let's say like my album comes out or whatever, or or you know, and they're talking to like old, older relatives or something like that. Yeah. You know, Derek got got a music video. Derek got a such and such, and, and like instead of just being like, "Hey, here's a link. Watch it later." Yeah. They'd be like, "Let's play it right now. Yeah, yeah. Watch it with me, Derek. Come here and watch it with." Your great uncle, who's eighty years old, who don't know what the fuck is going on, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and I feel bad because I don't want to say anything because I don't want to seem like I'm ungrateful that they're sure. trying to show love or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, all right. What is uh, what is your least favorite candy and why? Um, I don't know what the candy would be, but I know what it makes me feel like. Any candy. And I used to joke with my dad about this, and this is why the Inspiration Channel, they love it so much because they watch nothing but old school westerns. Yeah. But Cracker Barrel was my dad's favorite spot because that little shopping area before you get in there, yep. that's his entire childhood. And so he would buy like all this candy that was like popular in 1950s or something like that. It's like, it's definitely old people candy. Yeah, yeah. So anytime I see candy, I don't even know what they are, but anytime I see candy that reminds me of, of that type of stuff, like I feel that way about Ginger Snaps. Okay. Like my dad used to have like a box of ginger, and it's like, there's no taste. There's no like, what, what are we, what are we doing? Like, there's other yeah. better flavors we can get out here. So anything that feels like, um, is from the 19th century or something like that. Like I'm like, I don't want to eat this candy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, this is this might be a tough one, but uh, what is the one question that you wish I had asked you? Because, you know, people go into interviews and things like that with the intent of talking about something. Actually, I'm a, I'm a blank slate. Maybe I wish you would have said, okay. like, what's your cash app so I can send you some money? What's your cash app so I can buy this James Brown? I don't know. So, um, no, no. I, 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 think, um, I think it's the opposite with you, man. I, I think that when you're working with somebody that you completely trust, I can walk in and just be like, whatever you want. I, you know, I can kind of fall back and yeah. not have to, like, manage and produce this shit myself like i'm just here to to do what you need me to do that's fair that's fair all right and the last one is mm -hmm. what's the one question you're glad i didn't ask you um sort of goes along with the same I think. anything anything about like embarrassing dating or love stories and stuff like that those are always uh 
uh, uh, really sad for me. But yeah. Well, then next time. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I set myself up. See how you did that? <laughs> All right. Uh, Preach Jacobs. Uh, of course, the uh, location here is Soul House. Uh, it's located 1223 Lincoln Street here in Columbia, South Carolina. So make sure to come and check it out. Rekka Sundays are from 12 to 3. Uh, make sure to follow Preach on uh, Instagram so that you'll know exactly when those are going on. Absolutely. As well as anything else that's um, going on. Again, we ha- we have uh, the MLK event at the Aristocrat. Uh, is, is, um, my, my moniker is called More Better, More Better Souls. So it's called More Better Soul Law Sessions. It's going to be some vinyl playing it's gonna be me and a couple of djs it's gonna be a really really great menu for mlk day a fish fry and some really cool drink stuff on there uh it's free the aristocrat is a really really dope spot really cool jazz lounge type of spot and um doing some fly stuff in there and it's free pull up hear some music eat some food have some drinks yeah and um and that's about it that's gonna be really cool all right thank you for being here right, man, appreciate thank it. You for having me this is gonna be episode number 189 thank you very much pre for being here uh link to episodes podcast platforms and merchandise social media are all available on our webpage the allaboutnothing.com. If you think our financial model of giving away free content and entertainment is silly and you're in the giving mood, why not become an official nothing or support the show monthly? Members can get early access to episodes as well as exclusive content, or you can give us a one-time donation through our tips link. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can call and leave us a message, 803-672-0533. You can email the show at theallaboutnothing.com, or you can join our Discord server. Links are available at the uh, allaboutnothing.com. Thank you very much, everybody. You all stay safe and have a great week. Peace. The All About Nothing podcast is produced and engineered by me, Barrett Gruber. Thanks to Cake for our intro music, Sick of You. You can follow everything Cake the Band at cakemusic.com. Thanks to Muff the Producer for our outro music. You can follow Muff on Instagram at Muff the Producer. I am Barrett Gruber. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Barrett Gruber or visit my link tree slash Barrett Gruber. Want to support the show? Visit our webpage, theallaboutnothing.com and become a member. There are several tiers available, including memberships that give you early access to episodes as well as exclusive content. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. To find links to our social media, merchandise, and past episodes, visit theallaboutnothing.com. If you'd like to be heard on the show, you can call and leave us a message. Dial 803-672-0533. If the time between these episodes is more than you can handle, check out our partner podcast. Zach and I host What the Pod Was That with Carrie Simmons. Visit whatthepodwasthat.com for links and details. Ami takes a deep dive down the rabbit hole in episodes of Welcome to Wonderland. Available on all the podcast platforms. Visit wtwlpod.com for details. As well, you can listen to the political and social conversation between between Dr. Jamella Brooks and Bill Kimmler on Black, White, and Blue in the South, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and share this show. If you're on YouTube, please like and hit the notification bell. Thank you for listening. The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2024, all rights reserved. This episode of the All About Nothing podcast is brought to you by Blank Canvas Brand. If you own a business, restaurant, or sports team and you're ready to shake things up with that new, unique image, you need to use Blank Canvas brand. Blank Canvas specializes in brand identity, including logos and graphics for business cards, flyers, banners, and signs. Blank Canvas offers printing services to help with your clothing needs. Look, when it comes to talent and service, there is no one better. For more information, you can search Facebook for Blank Canvas, or you can email blankcanvas at theallaboutnothing.com. That's B-L-N-K-C-A-N-V-S at theallaboutnothing.com. You can find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com.